In this episode of the Tactics Meeting, we're going to be talking about spill prevention in Washington. How the Washington State Department of Ecology Prevention Program weathered the pandemic without being able to send live inspectors into the field. And what's next in prevention, including their new fishing vessel inspection program. It's all coming up on this amazing episode. This episode of the Tactics Meeting is brought to you by Easy213. Easily manage resource requests and approvals during an incident or response with offline syncing, secure hosting, automated approvals, and role management. Easy213 solves that problem of how to do the resource request process. For a free consultation, go to portagebay.com backslash products backslash easy213 and we thank them for their support of the tactics meeting. The tactics meeting is also brought to you by individual contributors just like you. People who contribute five or ten dollars a month because they appreciate the content, the level of training and the insightful interviews of people who are in the industry. To become a contributor, go to thetacticsmeeting.online and click the support button. And today I'd like to thank Steve and Erica for becoming our latest supporters. And now, let's get to the Tactics Meeting. Well, it's time for another episode of the Tactics Meeting, and today I'm excited to have Sarah Thompson a vessel and oil transfer unit supervisor for the spills prevention program at the Washington State Department of Ecology. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. So it was great that you were able to come on board and talk about the prevention program. You know, these vessels are coming in and out of, of Washington and Washington has some of the more progressive oil spill prevention rules in the country with a goal, a, a worthy goal of zero spills. And there were some adaptations that were made to the program during the pandemic that I think are worth talking about. But before we get to that, tell us a little about yourself. How did you get started in the maritime industry and what brought you to the Washington State Department of Ecology. Yeah, sure. Well, I started on the East Coast, um, a bit far from the maritime industry in Pennsylvania. And I think my, my maritime career probably started in 2001 when I went over to the Coast Guard Academy, which I, I heard about from a friend of a friend. And it was kind of a, a strike in the dark to see what it would be like. And you know, when you get accepted, you mostly say yes for an opportunity like that. So. I started there and took up marine science major, and I graduated in 2005, and I was lucky to get a first assignment here in Seattle as a vessel inspector and working in the command center. So that really gave me a taste of the area here, and I fell in love with it. I did some pollution response here for the Coast Guard and then some maritime policy for the Coast Guard out of Washington, D.C. Um, so when I decided I wanted to leave that, behind and come back out to the Pacific Northwest on my own, I was also lucky to have a position open at the Department of Ecology, and I, I joined that position in 2015 after 10 years in the Coast Guard. Okay, great. So uh, what has your time at Ecology been like? Have you been in the same department the whole time? 
Yes, I have. Um, and I, I think that I don't have any ambitions to leave it because it's it's a really great place to be. Um, we have a really good team and the work is always changing and always exciting, trying to get out in the waterfront and prevent oil spills. Well, I've spent a lot of time over the years working with the Ecology Spills Program, but but mostly the on the preparedness and response side. So I, I had really limited uh, information or experience with prevention. So tell us about the prevention side of ecology. What is what is your role? What is your focus? Yeah, well, the prevention side is, is my favorite side because I think everyone can agree with trying to prevent oil spills. Uh, I'm a unit supervisor for a team of right now seven inspectors who focus on uh, vessels and oil transfer inspections. And uh, it's very unique that we're spread out across the state uh, as our team. We have inspectors in Bellingham. We have a couple in the Seattle area. Then we have some in the Tacoma, Lacey, Olympia area, and then also in Vancouver, Washington. So our team can really cover um, a lot of the major ports and uh, vessel calls that are visiting Washington. How many calls are there? How many in inspections do you do every year? Yeah, we, we have some targets. Um, so for our vessel and oil transfer, oil transfer work, we have a target of hitting 6% of the regulated transfers. And so if we meet that target, that works out to about 900 inspections a year. So you can imagine that just seven that element of our work keeps us fairly busy. Seven inspectors get nine, over 900 inspections in a year. Yeah. And so you that's, guys are that's the oil transfer goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we also do our substantial risk inspections on the vessels. And our goal for the overall number of entering vessels is to um, have a touch on 10% of those. So we're looking at vessels that are over 300 gross tons. So, you know, we're, we're, we're visiting a lot of bulkers, uh, container ships, car carriers, uh, those kind of vessels. And that 10% works out to about 375 uh, vessel substantial risk inspections each year. So what constitutes a substantial threat? Yeah, so that that was the question. I think that was in everyone's mind when the program was created. And in order to help us answer that question, um, back before my time at Ecology, the team here met with the industry and created something that is kind of outlined in our in our WAC, something called the Accepted Industry Standards. And that's a document we have published on our website. It's focused on the large commercial vessels. And what they did was they they wrote down everything that the industry and, and ecology, they all agreed and believed was the, the standard that should be met. So if we, then we translated those standards into our inspection checklist. And if we're on board and we're seeing things that are not meeting that standard or that are below that standard, those are indicators of a substantial risk. Okay, so vessels, vessels that aren't meeting the standard are considered the substantial risk vessels. Yes, and it, it is kind of a professional judgment because there, there are a lot of, um, if you take a look at our checklist, there's a lot of elements that we look at. So we're kind of looking at the the whole picture of what we're seeing on board. If, if there's just one element where where things are not as good as they could be, that might not 
necessarily constitute a substantial risk. But if we're seeing some trends, if we're seeing a lot of checklist elements that are falling below the standard, then, then we'll start to think about whether that particular vessel is going to pose a substantial risk of an oil spill to Washington. What are some of the things your prevention section is working on now? You have anything new in the hopper? Yeah, I think we're always trying to improve our program. So um, one of the newer things is our email screenings, but I think maybe before I dive into that, it, it might just be helpful to understand what, what our regular inspections are so that you, know, you can get a sense of how we uh, adapted them to do our email screenings. Um, our typical inspection work is to go out person and try and visit the vessels at a time that's convenient for them to do our inspection work. And one of the things that we couldn't do during COVID was, was go out in person. So what we developed during that time was an email screening to help us uh, still get a sense of what the vessel was doing for spill prevention and, and what kind of systems they had in place uh, without having to uh, either put ourselves or the crew members in, in any kind of uh, dangerous situation because of the pandemic. So did but, you send them you know, the checklist with the email? Did did they get the checklist? Uh, did you no. send them something that was modified? What did you do there? Yeah, so we have our long we have the checklist that's based on the standards. And for our in-person, we we can either do a long version of that checklist, which um it could probably take three or four hours to do the full long version. And we have then a sh also a shorter version um, that that takes more like two hours. Uh, so when we were looking at our email screenings, we we kind of reviewed the checklist and we thought about what kinds of things on this checklist might we be able to learn about either through document reviews or just through some questions we could email. Uh, we were also a little bit sensitive to file size, not knowing kind of the, the internet capabilities of some of the, the vessels who were going to receive our messages. So we tried not to make a lot of attachments, at least early on in the program. So we took our checklist, we extracted some, what we thought were, were kind of interesting questions and things that they could fairly easily send us back. And that's what we emailed to the vessel agents with a uh, request to see if they would be willing to share that with the incoming vessels. And how did they respond? Um, we thought really well. Uh, it, it was kind of a new, it was a new thing. So we we developed some initial communications to try to explain to the agents what what we were doing here. Usually, when we interact with the agents, it's uh, after some kind of a vessel casualty or or some kind of an event where we're we're curious to know if there's any information that can help us determine whether the vessel is still at risk or understand what happened. But this was the first time that we were interacting with them to try and get some proactive information from the vessels. So um, in 2020 is when that started and our response rate was was really good. I'm, uh, 70%, which is is in the survey world is is really high. It's a great response rate. So we were very happy with um, the way that the agents were willing to pass the request on and happy with the responses we were getting back from the vessels themselves. During that time, did you if if you didn't get responses back, did you did you do any in-person inspections or was that you weren't doing anything in person at that time? Yeah, we were not. The, the state was being um, very protective, I think, and, and cautious for several years there. 
And so we we phased ourselves in slowly back to the in-person work starting last year. And 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 slowly as as we all learn more things and have more you know understanding of the situation and protective measures, we're uh, increasing the percentage of our work that we are able to do in person. But we decided to really keep the email screenings around because um, it allows us to get in touch with vessels that we might not be able to. Some vessels have a, a pretty quick turnaround when they're here and uh, they have a lot of other visitors. And so this kind of allows them to respond to us and help us meet our, our check of substantial risk uh, on their own timeline when they're able to respond to our questions. And it also helps our inspectors you know, be able to sit down and focus and review on their answers um, without any of the shipboard distractions that that are always going on when a vessel is in port. Well, I've been in the I've been in the oil spill business since here in Puget Sound since 1997. When I first started, we I felt like we responded to an oil spill about every other week, and then it was like every other month. Would you say that? the what, what would you say the statistics are now it seems like the prevention section uh has really done their work i mean the regulation and training um and uh and, and all that work has has really paid off do you have any statistics on that i know in terms of any oil spill to state waters you know those, those are still uh, i know our response section is always is always quite busy um, because they are responding to, to all spills to state waters, not just those from vessels. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have the numbers offhand, but anecdotally, you know, every couple of months there's there's something from from a commercial vessel, whether it be from a, an, an internal transfer or some something that washed off the deck. But we've been lucky not to have any anything, um, you know, too catastrophic from the commercial vessels. Uh, which, yeah, I think we we can hopefully take some credit for that with our um, the information that we are always sharing about spill prevention and uh, the work that the vessels are doing themselves. So after you've done these inspections, what do you what do you do with the results of the in, in inspections? Do they they result in some action or what do you do with it? Yeah, well, we have a, we have a very um, robust database, I think, here that is is super helpful. Um, because each inspection sort of has a, has a profile in our internal data system and, and we record all of the results for the inspection in that system. Um, it allows us to look back on, on inspections that we may have had five or six years ago on a vessel and, and we can actually track sometimes uh, some comments that an inspector maybe made or some recommendations and then we'll, we'll go back five years later and we'll see some of our checklists or our um, transfer procedures being used and and that is very satisfying to see that you know, one little impact can uh, help the vessels and their companies be safe for years to come. Um, so we we always record what we find, and that that kind of stays in our database, and we use that for for trends and to um, just kind of keep track of what different vessels are able to do in the area. Um, we also like to communicate with the vessel operating companies. So if we see something that they're doing really well. Um, maybe they decided to bring on an extra crew member above the safe manning so they can help uh, manage fatigue and work hours. And we might notice that when we're on board. Uh, we just like to send that in a letter. That and we've done emails now with those letters too as well. We switched from the hard copy. So 
we email the company and we just commend them for the good things they're doing. And we've got a lot of positive feedback on that because I, I think sometimes it's something that doesn't always get noted and, and recognized. So I think they appreciate that someone is out there noticing the good things. And we also see things that um, could be improved. So we put that in the same letters to the operating companies. Um, we, we try to attach one of our focus sheets on whatever topic we're recommending on. We have a lot of focus sheets in the last year. We've done kind of a, a widespread update on those. So if you used any of our informational focus sheets in the past, um, they may have been black and white or they, they may have been an older style. Um, we've basically gone through and, and put all of them into a two-page format. It, it looks very modern with a you know color picture across the top. And we we house them all on a on our website that we have our QR codes for on all of our inspection materials on our um, email signature blocks. So we're really trying to push out the good information to the vessels when we make recommendations and, and other ways as well. Um, one of the cool things is when we hear back from the vessels companies about how they've taken our recommendations into consideration. So you put the inspection data from your in-person visits into the database. Do you treat the email surveys the same way? Does that information go into the database as, as if it was an actual inspection? Uh, it does go in the same way. It uh, you know we we don't have the checklist number, the checklist scores to really input uh, because we've just pulled out a couple of those questions for the email screening. So it's a little bit more of a of a of a free text um, description about what we heard back from the vessel. But uh, yes, we do track that, and we can see all of our interactions, whether it's in person or email screening in our database. So other than Vessel inspections, what other kinds of work does the prevention section do? Yeah, well, uh, my team of those seven inspectors, we also do oil transfer inspections. So um, we can do those on uh, a lot of our different types of facilities. So in the state, we have decided to categorize facilities by class. So we can go out on class one facilities inspections, which are kind of the major refineries. If uh, any of those cl class of facilities are transferring to vessels, we can monitor that transfer. And then the vessel that's receiving, uh, if a vessel, a vessel is bunkering here, we can um, inspect the vessel also as the, as the bunker monitor to make sure that they have their plans in place as someone who's receiving fuel. Um, and then we also inspect class two facility transfers, which are kind of the, the trucks that, that can go around and, and do fuelings. And um, we have class three facilities like uh, Covich Williams as an example. We do uh, inspections when they do deliveries to commercial vessels. And our last class of facility is class four. So uh, on those, those are the marinas and any marina that transfers to a commercial vessel is a class four facility. We have 70, some of them throughout the state. And for those, we don't inspect the individual Transfer, as you can see, that would be um, a, a little bit unrealistic given the numbers there. Uh, but we do visit them once a year uh, and do a, kind of a spill prevention focused checklist with them. And so we have so a whole only transfers there at marinas that go to commercial vessels. So what what would be an example of? Well, I, I guess 
I guess when I was up in Port Angeles at the Boat Haven, I watched the Coast Guard come into their fuel dock. I watched the pilots come into their fuel dock. So is that the kind of transfer you mean? Yeah, if they if they uh, fuel a police boat or um, anyone is not just using their vessel for kind of recreational fun, um, if they have any customers who are other than that, then uh, then they would qualify as becoming a class four facility. Um, and I, I think I, I would I hope that they think our visits are helpful because in all of our interactions, whether it's with the marinas or the vessels or the transfers. We really try and take a tone of um, we want to start with technical assistance. We have a lot of people, uh, inspectors on the team who have uh, various backgrounds in the maritime industry. So our first goal is to is to show up and be on scene and try and help people do things that will prevent oil spills. So we, we don't want to be the person that people are kind of nervous to see walking down the pier. Uh, we, we want to be the people who are there to help improve processes and um, we still we need to make sure there's compliance with state regulations, but we want to focus on technical assistance to prevent oil spills as our first step. So do you mo mostly board them when they're at the dock? Do you do you do you ride the pilot boats out and board them at anchor, or are there limitations? What? Yeah, for our vessel substantial risk, we always do those at the dock. Okay. Um, so we are uh, really watching AIS. We're watching the arrivals list from the Marine Exchange. You know, we're, we're watching our internal um, risk scoring, and it's a very dynamic planning for our inspectors to, to figure out when it's going to be a good time to go to, to do a vessel inspection at the dock. Um, are you, we are do you using some the Marine Exchange feed for the AIS? Are you using the Marine Exchange's feed? Are you using marinetraffic.com? What are you using? Yeah, we do. We do have some. Um, we do work closely with the Marine Exchange, and we actually have a very smart IT team here who has been able to import that Marine Exchange data directly into our spills database. So it just kind of goes in there in the mornings, um, and and we can see it through kind of either view. But the the base data is from the Marine Exchange, and then we also sometimes like to to verify that through any of the many traffic websites we we use site. SciTech or CTech. Um, SciTech, yeah, yeah. How you pronounce things and and memory and traffic and all and all the others just to do a ground truthing on our data. Um, the anchor work is is exciting. We do that just for uh, oil transfer work. A couple of years ago, we were asked to um, we were given some funding to fund la launches for our inspectors. So we at the beginning of each uh, fiscal year, we put agreements in place with the launch providers, um, like up here for our air launch uh, would be who we would use to take us out to the anchors. And and those are even more logistically challenging to plan, but but we do like to go see the transfers at anchor when we can. Okay, so what is the, what is in the future for the prevention program? I think I asked a version of that question earlier, but we'll ask again, what is the what is okay. coming down? Yeah, so one of the things that we're going to be focusing on the next year is our fishing vessel inspection work that um, is fishing vessels over 300 gross tons. And it's always been part of our inspection portfolio, but um, we haven't necessarily had the resources to, to fully 
um, do what we wish that we could do with that industry. So uh, similar to what we talked about with the with the uh, cargo commercial vessels, we have a separate set of industry standards for fishing vessels. We have uh, our own inspection checklist for those, and uh, we're hoping to do some hiring. Um, we re we received some um, funding to have a fishing vessel inspector, and uh, when when that person is is here, we're hoping to really reinvigorate that part of our program and and help fishing vessels to um, reduce their risk of oil spills here in Washington. Are those checklists, new checklists published? Where can I get my hands on those? Yeah, we, we do have them published and there is a website, the same website that we have all of those focus sheets. Um, Ecology has a lot of websites and, and, and they can kind of um, take you on a, a long trail for what you're looking for. So um, this one is a new one that we created in the last year to try and kind of capture most things that the uh, vessel maritime industry would be looking for. You know, I'd, I think it's probably best to put the link in the podcast because I'll do that. Like, yeah, one of them is a pretty long <laughs> web address for it. But uh, I think the the quick title is under prevention resources uh, is where we have our checklist, our standards, and our informational focus sheets. Okay. Well, do you have any final thoughts in closing as we go to wrap up this episode of the tactics meeting? Well, just thanks for having me here. Um, I'm really excited about the work we do. I'm really thankful for um, all of the agents who help us uh, pass the email screening information out to the vessels and, you know, uh, really happy that we're able to have this kind of extended reach through the vessel operating companies to put spill prevention measures in place and the, the line I hear a lot here is it's easier to um, stop a spill that doesn't happen, easier to clean up a spill that doesn't happen. And that's what we're doing here in ecology spill prevention. I would be happy to never actually respond to another oil spill my, myself. So, and I'm, I'm tired of ship fires too, by the way, just, just <laughs> saying. Yes, so, so, well, Sarah Thompson from the Washington State Department of Ecology. I know Brian, your boss, threw you under the bus to come on the podcast, but you were great. And thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Well, that's all the time we have for the tactics meeting today. Some save the dates that I'd like you to take note of. We do still have room in the ICS 300 class that's being offered at Clean Rivers Cooperative June 27th, 28th, and 29th. We also have room in the 400 class that's being offered on the 30th. Register for the Tactics Conference, which is being held on August 31st. It's a virtual conference with some limited ability to have in-person participation at Clean Rivers Cooperative, you can register at thetacticsmeeting.online. Thank you for being a supporter. Thank you for listening to the show. And now let's get back to work.